Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stahl. All right, welcome to our podcast where we cover business in the news and add our legal twist to that business news. My name is Nasser Pasha. And I'm Matt Staub. And boy, do we have a story today. Yeah, I mean, it just keeps keeps evolving and it's far from final, but I mean, kind of one of the big things that we were waiting to hear on happened. Let me rewind a little bit and let's get to the, let's go to the beginning. Well, not the very beginning because Roger Ailes has been working with Fox for a really long time. So we're not going to maybe start that far back. <laughs> But we'll we'll start. I guess we'll start with the actual, you know, the complaint that was filed. So yeah, let's do that. And this was in what beginning of so July sixth, and it was a uh, Gretchen Carlson, another previous Fox employee, filed a lawsuit against Roger Ailes. Just Roger Ailes. She was that co-host at Fox and Friends. If you ever watched, did you ever watch that show? No, I don't watch. I don't watch <laughs> any of those shows. I actually find Fox News entertaining. Not not for news purposes, just entertaining in general. But anyway, go ahead. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess there's some questions of whether she could consider some of these people her friends based on the title of the show, especially <laughs> Steve Ducey, is it? I don't know his na- name, but it is spelled D-O-O-C-Y, so I'm not sure how else to pronounce that. She worked on a bunch of different shows or a bunch of different segments and shows, but you, you mentioned Fox and Friends. But she was an employee of Fox, and Roger Ailes is the chairman and CEO of Fox News. I mean, so that's where we're starting. But it's something to say right off the bat is the lawsuit's only against him, you know, not against... 21st Century Fox, anyone else, just Roger Ailes. So that's that's something we'll we'll circle back around to. So she files this complaint and it centers around just basically a bunch of repeated instances of sexual harassment. I'm not as familiar with Gretchen Carlson's career as as you might be having watched the different <laughs> shows, but you know, at least what's alleged in the complaint and what I've read elsewhere is, you know, she's she was pretty Pretty likable, pretty successful at what she did. I mean, on the show she was on. I suppose, I mean, according to her, I yeah. mean, she was on a pretty popular show, but I think she was replaced by Hasselbeck. I forgot her first name. Elizabeth Hasselbeck? Yeah, Elizabeth Hasselbeck. Mm-hmm. And either replaced or, you know, pushed aside, so to speak. I think the allegations in here might be part of the reason why. Yeah. <laughs> so she was working with with Fox, to, you know, these different shows, and there's there's all these instances. We'll link the we'll link the complaint because there's a there's more detail in there. We're not going to go through all the different allegations that she is asserting against Roger Ailes. And I guess at this point we should say they are just allegations. He's he's denied everything at this point. There's you know this there has not been any sort of responsive pleading to the complaint yet. So at this point it is strictly allegation. So we will say that. So, so we won't get in trouble or you won't get in trouble. I I'll say it all day. So I think it all kind of, I mean, I think it all kind of started with, or one of the things started with was her co-host, which is the Steve Ducey. So there's a couple instances of him doing things to her. I think specifically putting his hand on her and putting her arm to shush her during a live telecast you know, amongst other things, she had problems with that. So she approached Ailes and just wanted to inform him of, of what was going on. And, and that's really where it kind of started in that based on what's in the complaint, he didn't take her too seriously. Not only that, that's when some of the, the sexist remarks <laughs> from him or gestures started popping up. Like see, specifically responded by calling her a man hater and killer I don't know why the killer aspect of it, but and telling her she needs to get along with the boys. And so not only were those verbal Yikes. jabs there, he also, you know, there's some form of retaliation that's happened too. And 
we were alluding to this earlier, she didn't get as many segments as she used to, or I guess high profile interviews as she used to. You know, basically she her presence on the on the network wasn't as she wasn't as seen as much as much as she used to before. So I mean she got reassigned to different times, different segments, things like that. But she kind of just continued to plug along. I mean, she according to her, at least in the complaint, I mean her her show still got good reviews or uh, good ratings, everything was fine. She just kind of took it in stride. And, you know, the sort of these, we don't know the time when all these different instances of, of what ails did happen, but, you know, there was more sexual harassment that's alleged that went on for years, I, I guess. And then, you know, eventually, I think in 2015, I'm trying to see, yeah, in September 2015, she again sought to bring into this treatment of, retaliation for this these complaints and that's when he stated this is one of the more damning things is i think you and i should have had a sexual relationship a long time ago and then you'd be good and better and i'd be good and better uh <laughs> so not not only does that sentence not make uh, make any sense it also is very creepy <laughs> it's it's in quotes so i mean i guess that's what was stated you know kind of alluding Allegedly. to yeah alluding to you know you can make this problem go away you know by, by by certain things and so you know basically she's she refused this all this stuff the entire time you know continued to be retaliated against her her compensation got reduced which is which is kind of crazy it's not something you see too often especially for a high profile individual she also explains how she was basically given her own show now granted it was like in the afternoon or something so may not be as as popular as as primetime or in the morning i think that's when fox and friends is at and she even talks about how she actually had to do more work because before she was a co-host but now she's a you know solo yeah and yet somehow her salary is decreased so that that's true but i wouldn't be surprised if there's some kind of that's not uncommon when it comes to television, though. I mean, I'm, I know I'm a radio celebrity, but I don't know much about TV. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking, you know, if she's as good as, if her work as good as she says it is, you, you want to think that would result in a decrease in pay. But you know, it's, I guess that's neither here nor there. Well, I guess that's the allegation. And, and here's the thing is that, by the way, okay, so these sexual harassment allegations and occurrences happen all the time. I mean, the statistics are, are pretty bad. I mean, let's see, last, I think it was in 2015, 27,000 plus harassment claims were filed just with the EEOC. And the EEOC is just a, you know, that's just a, a, a slice of the pie. And that's just reported. That's just reported, right? And I think, I think that's what you mentioned. That's one of the problems is that if this kind of behavior does occur, imagine how difficult it is to, for the person that's being the victim of this to actually report it to somebody, not let alone somebody like this, uh, someone about the CEO of the company, mm -hmm. right? I, I mean, I, I just can't imagine what a person would do when, you know, whether it's a big or large company, but especially if it's a small company and the owner or the president or CEO is the one that's, you know, actually a uh, predator, so to speak, <laughs> in this regard. Yeah. And let's, let me nail down a couple more points on the timeline here because it is yeah. pretty interesting. It really put Fox in a predicament here. So her contract was not renewed June 23rd, 2016. Her contract was not renewed. She filed, filed this lawsuit July 6th. That's what it looks like, July 6th. And the thing to know about, you know, I mean, people that are familiar with Fox, this isn't surprising, but Ailes is a pretty uh, big figure on the Republican side of things. And obviously we had the Republican National Convention 
coming up soon after this complaint was filed. And so Fox was in a very difficult situation on how to approach this because, you know, they it's just way too many things going on. And yeah. as of what is today is the 21st, and I think it was announced today, right? Or possibly yesterday. Which is surprising in a way because, in fact, the rumors were that he was going to step down after the convention. But today is the last day or the second. Like, I know Trump is speaking today. Mm-hmm. So I, it's, it's definitely nearing the end. If it's not the last day, it's like the second to last day mm-hmm. of the convention. So it is kind of surprising that they chose today to do so because it's definitely going to... Or on the other hand, maybe people are going to be more concerned about Trump news than, you know, Fox News' CEO stepping down. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's probably right, but it, it still does make things. But we did explain that Fox News tends to be on the conservative side yeah. of things, right? Did we explain that? I didn't explain it, but I said I, oh, thought, okay. I think people are familiar with it. Oh, okay. But yeah. Good. Just uh, clear that up. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the, the rundown of of the facts, you know, from at least from the beginning, from what we stated till, till present day now on the 21st. And so now, I mean, I guess the, the battle is on and on how, yeah. you know, on a, on a greater scale, how I guess Fox wants to handle this and they, they've handled it to some extent, but you know, with, with Ailes as well, I mean, it's, you know, he's obviously got to handle well, it. And they, Fox, Fox did launch an investigation and even though they are not a defendant in this case. And, and I think that's really one of the things got interesting is, we kind of talked about what happened in the complaint when that was filed, what she alleges, but it really started to heat up when, and as these things tend to do, is a, about more than a dozen additional women came out to discuss their experiences. Yeah. And this started to come out through Fox's investigation. And we'll talk about it in a second why Fox investigated and why it was important for them to do so. But just for a second, there was six of whom have been identified, including a very, very popular host in, at Fox, which is Megyn Kelly. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's at that time when that became public that everything just started to be clear that Roger Ailes was gonna, is on his way out. And, and that's probably why he's being pushed out. Because I think that if there wasn't a, I'm, again, I'm just speaking to the reality of it, of how other people's impressions are, is that when Megyn Kelly, who currently works there and, and does have some credibility in her position at, at Fox News, that her saying her experiences with Roger Ailes does really pose a problem for Fox because now, now they know that they have a, a, an alleged sexual harasser, multiple victims, mm-hmm. and they have to choose. Now, do we keep them? And risk, you know, risk liability to Fox when that's what they're that's what they're doing by keeping them keeping him on. Yeah, and you know, pulling it back into the the Trump aspect of it again, for people that recall, I mean, the <laughs> Trump kind of verbally attacked her, Megyn Kelly. Oh, that's right. Those yeah. early, yeah, those early debates. And well, the interesting thing is, so I think people wanted her removed or replaced as the moderator for the debates and, and Ailes stood up for her and said she wasn't going to be replaced. That's true. And then she's also coming out now saying that he's had did unwanted sexual advances towards her. So it's an interesting dynamic how he did show some support towards her, you know, however many months ago that was, but at the same, now she's coming out and saying like, well, this, this isn't any surprise because the same thing happened to me, maybe not to the level that it did if, with Gretchen Carlson, but you know, it's there. And like you, like you mentioned, there's other women that have come out as well 
no surprise that's that's a pretty common thing when these high profile people have you know the the Bill Cosby thing's a perfect example I mean that was a little bit yeah. that was a little bit that was different in what was alleged but you know same sort of idea that, that was also rape allegedly <laughs> well, that's what I said. Alleged rape. different <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah, I don't, there hasn't been rape alleged, but no, no, no. But here, here's the thing: is that I, I mentioned how difficult it is, especially in in these circumstances. But I do want to talk about when a supervisor, especially if a supervisor is the one that commits these acts, and all, whether it's a supervisor or not, imagine the victim. You know, they're going through embarrassment, and they they don't know how to how to respond. But there's a reason why California, for instance, puts in a actual strict liability on behalf of the employer if a supervisor actually commits the act. And that's not the case around the country. So there was actually a Supreme Court case that talked about, you know, basically they took federal regulations and and the standards of sexual harassment and they made it so that it was automatically put onto the employer. Supreme Court says, no, that's, you, you can't just, it, it's not automatic. There has to be some kind of notice given to the employer that this could be going on, or there has to be some kind of just complete disregard to the safety of their workforce. And, and so this is where it comes into play. And that's why, that's why Fox investigated is that they were, and this is, this is standard protocol in any big company, at least what someone should do is that if there's, if there's an allegation and it has even the ounce of credibility, then you should do an internal investigation. And that could be either privileged or not, depending upon how, how you do it. And that, that is a way for you to prevent future liability. And if you find that a person may have you know, harassed somebody, whether it's a supervisor or not, and you, and you keep quiet and you, and you allow that person to remain in the, in the employment, then that's a big problem. And frankly, obviously, any court would want to impugn liability for that to the employer. Yeah, I mean, it, and you have to, to take this seriously, obviously, as the, as the employer. I mean, it's, there's stuff they should have been doing, and I assume Fox probably had some sort of anti-harassment policy in place. Sexual, I would hope, you know, sexual harassment training as well. So kind of on the preventative side. But yeah, I mean, once, once an allegation is made, the employer has to look into it. I mean, you can't just kind of brush it off. I mean, obviously in this case, it's a, well, I don't know. I, w- I would think in this case, you know, I mean, let me ask you this is, so the higher profile the individual is, do you think that, I mean, obviously employers should take all of them seriously, but do you think an employer looks at that with, you know, more scrutiny or, or less scrutiny? Again, I think it's the credibility of it because yeah. if it's someone high profile, then it's not uncommon to have, and, and this is a big problem. Talk to any employment law attorney, whether they're plaintiff or defendant, there's a lot of people that ruin it for everybody in the sense there, there are people that make allegations of sexual harassment that are false. Mm-hmm. And of course, this, this plays into a common defense tactic of basically a, a victim that was actually welcoming these advances, but is just trying to extort their employer or the person for money. And, and unfortunately, that does happen. And so from, from an employer's perspective, and as you and being an, a, a business owner, you're in a difficult position. And any kind of allegations should be taken seriously. At the same time, you do have to be able to weed out the, the, the non-credible ones as well. And, and even, even the ones that are not credible doesn't mean that you can't do a investigation at least to rule out the possibility, which, and, and I think that's mm-hmm. the most appropriate step. Mm-hmm. And you, 
as you mentioned, I mean, it's so critical on the, as, as with ALS here, on the, the supervisor manager level. I mean, because that's when it can really be an issue for the, for the employer. I mean, not, not that it wouldn't be an issue otherwise, but it's, you know, that's, yeah. that's when it really, all of it needs to be taken seriously, but the supervisor manager level is like double seriously. That's, uh, absolutely. That's my, that's my legal, that's my legal uh, take on that. It's doubly bad, according to Matt. Well, let's talk about what is sexual harassment. I think that's a tough, tough one to describe because states have its standards and there's a federal standard as well, but they pretty much all come down to one word, which is unwelcome. That is unwelcome sexual advances, unwelcome comments, unwelcome physical touching. Mm -hmm. And a lot of litigation that is that is surrounding a type of sexual harassment that is, you know, not obvious in the sense that the 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 victim thought it was not okay, but the other person thought they were just, you know, joking around and it was all in good fun. Those types of cir- circumstances we've seen in in different workplaces environment and workplace environments, I'm sure personally. And and the the real question is, did the person the the, the possible victim was it unwelcome? Did they do anything to incite or to solicit the behavior? And that's not a very easy thing to detect or investigate. Mm-hmm. And it's clearly a situation where it's a, it's a subject where you can make things, you as the employer can make things worse. Uh, so, so let's say you have an instance of these unwanted advances, unwanted sexual advances. You can escalate it to a whole nother level by retaliating based on that. And I'm not talking necessarily by the by the reporting, but like in this case with with Ailes is well, I guess that that was not a good example cuz she did come to him initially with in in regards to a coworker, but let's say she, yeah. you know, let's say that part with her coworker with Steve Ducey wasn't there. She was just talking to Ailes and there was some sort of un- I let me I shouldn't use this example. Let's say there was a manager, an employee <laughs> is talking to the manager or the supervisor and there's unwanted sexual advances by the manager to the the employee, you know, and they, you know, it's very clear that the employee doesn't want this to happen. And then there's retaliation where the supervisor, you know, demotes them or, you know, does some sort of retaliatory action. I mean, that's that's a situation where you can clearly make it worse. And usually that occurs in a firing or demotion of yeah. salary or, or a deduction of salary, demotion of position. Worse treatment. Yeah. So there's varying levels. I mean, all of it's all of it's bad. And to me, it's not to, not to pull the office into this, but, you know, they the one episode where they watch the sexual harassment training and it's a great episode. The the video that they're showing and they're, they're making fun of it there. But, you know, they're kind of like, oh, it's not always obvious. Like to me, sexual harassment's pretty obvious. I th- I think. I mean, <laughs> that's just my take. I know. I think you're right. I think in general, it's mostly obvious. Yeah. But for the most part, th- there's certain cultural environments that certain things are acceptable, and and it gets tricky. I mean, you know, think think about if you worked at Playboy magazine, or if you worked on the Howard Stern show, you know, or these different environments that the cultural environment may be different than other work environments and the standards of conduct may also be different mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that the same laws don't apply right and so what may be so-called unwelcome conduct may or may not be as clear and and so it's 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 an area of a law that it definitely the standards of unwelcomeness are very f- case by case 
and I think there's a there's a common standard in most office environments that can be referenced, and that's why these training videos, of course, put up some kind of standard as that you know it's kind of a catch-all that, and that's what that's the kind of work environment you do want to create. I know it seems may seem boring, and I think a lot of even the office kind of makes fun of it, like okay, you can't joke around at all because everything's un- uh, offensive, and that's not exactly it either. It's just being able to be aware, engage unwelcomeness, which is, I mean, again, it's not, it's not. Sometimes it's not obvious. Not to poke fun at the situation, but it's you know that's there, there's a there's a bunch of classic parts from that episode. The the la- <laughs> end of which is when Michael refuses to to say that's what she said, and and Jim keeps yeah kind of prying and finally gets him to. To say it, and then yeah, there's. I might go actually watch that as as training after this. <laughs> actually, yeah, that, I mean, in in our when we do training, that's all. We just play that episode and then walk away. <laughs> it speaks for itself. It speaks for itself. Well, the, speaking of training, there there are like training is actually recommended across the board across the nation. There's no hurt in it, right? When it, especially when it comes to employer liability, if you can show to a jury that hey, we made efforts to prevent this from happening then that's going to be very favorable. But in California, where, for example, it doesn't matter whether you did anything, if your supervisor does that, you're strictly liable. Mm-hmm. They actually have a requirement for training for certain employers that have employees of 50 or more. Right. And it's something to the effect of like once every two years for all the supervisors and so forth. And it's like for two, at least for two hours or so. And so something to think about if you haven't considered it. That's impressive because you, I can, I'm watching you, and you weren't even reading off of anything, and you hit all, all those numbers were correct. So, good job. I, I, I wasn't. I, <laughs> good oh, work. Yeah, that's true. I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't reading off of anything. Yeah, I could tell. That's That's, that's impressive. <laughs> but so, I mean, for for employers, it doesn't matter what state, but it's you know, there's two sides of the coin. There's preventative, which you know, you mentioned training, taking reversible steps yeah. to prevent all those things, and then reaction you know re- reactionary like when remedial you, yeah when you when you get some sort of complaint and all of it needs to be taken seriously because as we've made the point here i mean especially if it's a supervisor or manager you know the employer could be on could be held liable for this so it's it's a big deal yeah absolutely what's happened thus far i mean so they did an investigation in fact when when they did the investigation it was actually a law firm that interviewed megan kelly and that's how it actually came out yeah so in the course of their investigation. And so they obviously made a decision. They initially stood by Ailes, but because of everything that kind of happened, they had to make a decision. And I think Rupert Murdoch now is going to take his position as of today. That's what I read. Yeah, I mean, as, as of what we're recording, that's the, the temporary. I mean, and that's, that's not, that makes sense. I mean, it's, <laughs> he's been, yeah. Ailes has been around a long, a long time and you're not just going to hastily replace him with somebody without doing some sort of extensive search, especially not now. So yeah. I can't, and I can't remember if I, if it was with this example or another one I was reading on, but it might've been one of those situations, you know, where they basically were saying, you know, either we're going to terminate you or you can resign. It's kind of up to you. I, I can't remember if that was in this instance or not, or if that was another, another case I was another example I was reading. I'm trying, I'm trying to think of any of the other women, because that's what's alluded to is that I think, I'm trying to remember if this is in the complaint, but the plaintiff, she actually alleges that other women who may have so-called welcomed some of the sexual advances may have had some perks or benefits while at Fox, at, at Fox News, which, which of course is 
is interesting because by doing so kind of throws other people in the bus and we haven't really heard much on on that side of things in other words those that actually you know complied with that but you mentioned you mentioned the type of quid pro quo type of harassment and there are two kinds there's the quid pro quo meaning okay you do this and you'll be rewarded for it and in other words you become welcome to my sexual advance and you'll get a raise you'll get x y and z and then there's that kind and there's also the kind of hostile work environment and gretchen carlson she she has allegation of both yeah they don't specify in this way but it seems like the the allegation even though it's not against this lawsuit's not against her co-host but the comments against steve ducey seems to be more of the hostile work environment kind of allegation whereas roger ailes seems to be more of the quid pro quo and hostile work environment both yeah because he because he makes that comment about okay and then you'd be good and better and i'd be good and better seem to imply that you know you're going to be rewarded somehow and so these two types of differentiation it is important to note the difference but one big difference is that when it comes to hostile work environment it may not just be one single act that creates the environment it could be repetitious you know in the sense that maybe one joke or comment on one day is not a hostile work environment but if it's a if it's a comment every single day then that might be a problem so just it's it's hard to think of an example but a, a perfect example because again this is all by case by case basis but a a comment about how someone looks right on one day could be okay but if it's every single day then okay wait a minute this is you know so called getting creepy right and and it comes back to that unwelcomeness you know and, and i think and i think a lot in a lot of these instances it's the line is is pretty blurred for between the two different types of sexual harassment i mean it's yeah you're right it's often both yeah especially when it's you know clear quid pro quo very easy for it to also kind of to bleed in the hostile environment as well it just kinda, i mean it just kind of almost goes hand in hand it makes sense but you know there like you said there is reason to distinguish between the two but you know that's you know, in, in, in a law in law it's a big deal because in the hostile work environment context under the federal law it's actually an objective standpoint or standard that is a reasonable person and those lawyers listening understand what i'm saying but basic differences is that we're talking about a reasonable person in that circumstances, which is the same in every single environment that it may be so-called hostile, where the unwelcomeness is very case by case. Right. We're, we're catering to the employers, so we need to we need to help the employ we need to help the business owners. That's true. And I'll, I'll tell you this: allegations of sexual harassment are some of the toughest toughest things to deal with as an employer, even for us on the legal end, whether it's true or not true. Sometimes it's even more difficult if it's not true. Yeah. And I can just share personal experiences of me. I've, I've had circumstances where based upon what was originally presented to me, I was pretty sure it didn't happen until other evidence was presented to me that <laughs> made it certain that it did. Point being is that when this is put, for, put in front of you as a supervisor, as a manager, as a business owner, whatever position you're in, if, if this is reported to you, you got to, even if you have your doubts, you got to take it seriously. You got to do your due diligence. You got to go through your process. I mean, and there's plenty of literature on how to do this. There's plenty of lawyers, including besides us, that know how to deal with these things. But creating the policies, the, the proper policies, and having that so-called open door policy becomes important because what happens if the supervisor is the one that's doing it, 
the the subordinate of that supervisor should feel open to going above that supervisor or to someone else, whether it's an HR representative or even a fellow employee to try to resolve the situation. Those are the tough situations for the employees or if it's, you know, actually happening is if it is a supervisor who's doing the the unwelcomed acts and, and all that, it's, you know, or if it's like they're, I guess, in a smaller company, someone who's kind of the main person in charge and also the HR and all that. It's like, well, how do you necessarily approach them? I mean, what are you going to approach them and let them know of their own, <laughs> yeah, you know, allegations of sexual harassment? So I, th- I think you're right. I mean, the, the times when it is true are, are probably easier because you can just just likely likely justifiably just terminate them terminate the person yeah. but the ones that are untrue it's it's a lot thicker no thicker is the right word trickier trickier yeah and so like if, if you're an employer and are concerned about this and if you haven't thought about it yet start thinking about it there's a lot of things you can do besides what we've talked about as far as training and preventative acts and having you know your all the compliance stuff of having your handbook and so forth you could get also epli insurance which is employment what is it liability insurance employment what's the p stand for employer protection liability insurance i believe it is i'm probably wrong what the p stands for but anyway employment practices liability insurance there you go epli but most epli policies will cover if not all these kinds of kinds of allegations and it's it's a good safeguard because especially if you're in california a supervisor may have no propensity to do so they may go through the training they may have not had no prior acts, passed a background check, and sexually harassed one of their subordinates, and then all of a sudden the employer is responsible. Right. And so just some again, another another thing to think about and to consider moving out of California. <laughs> <laughs> you already did, so I know. I didn't move all my clients there. I try to get I try to get some of them out, but unsuccessful. I spoke with somebody today who recently moved their business out of California to to Colorado earlier this week to Colorado. He's like, yeah, it's 50 bucks to file for business, like $10, oh, yeah. $10 annually. I mean, that's just the financial aspect of it. I was like, yeah, I mean, that's, no. it's pretty well known. The cost of doing business in California is, you know, excessive. I know that's a whole show top down. I mean, you have an $800 franchise fee, then you have the employer liability, the state taxes. So, but anyway, if you, that's, that's the sun tax, if you choose to live in California. So, but we'll help you figure that out if we need to. Yeah. A topic for another day. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's our episode. So long to Roger Ailes and his Fox News company. I guess that's something we should mention too. I think I saw that he's not allowed, obviously, you know, he's, he's gone from Fox, but I don't think he's allowed to work with any competitors as part of the part of the deal. And so I, they said he was going to work as a, a consultant, but not in an official consultant. He's going to consult, but not in an official consultant's capacity to help find his replacement, which is kind of weird, but we should hire him as a sexual harassment trainer. <laughs> I mean, it'd be great. It'd be, we could just say, okay, what did you do? Assuming everything's true. What did you do in your, your place as CEO? And then we can just say, just don't do that. Yeah. Perfect. I'll make the contact. Okay. I'll send him an email. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks for joining us. Keep it sound. Keep it smart. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stop. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up to date, and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. 
No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.